Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was her pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. So look out for that moose. It's time for... I never saw that. That's how that goes. Yeah, we're talking about Northern Exposure. They all got it from the theme this song. This week. Well, I don't know. I mean, not everybody knows Northern Exposure. Not I guess that's seen true. It. Um, I had seen it. So, um, I had seen quite a bit of it as You watched a child the first five seasons, probably. Before I left. And then season um, six was on. Because I believe my mom was into it. When you were gone. And season six was on while I was gone, so yeah. that's what we're watching. We're watching Northern Exposure. Dr. Joel Fleischman, fish out of water, goes to Alaska because yep. somebody in Alaska paid for his medical school, but he's from New York. Mm-hmm. He's up there in Alaska in a small town doing, doing medicine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's all I remember that's about it. That's the story. And that's we didn't pretty watch much it. It's the a first small town seasons, full so. of small town characters. It's like, it's Twin Peaks, but light. You know what I mean? Twin I don't, Peaks is the dark version. I don't know what you mean at all. Well, it has a Twin Peaks feel. Like that small, northwest sort of town, you know, a lot of trees around, lodges and stuff. and like murder weirdos demons. And murder demons Weir- that possess people. Well, no, that's the part that this show doesn't have is what I'm saying. Okay. I guess. It's just like a bunch of characters, you know, in town. It feels very... Um, Murder, She Wrote to Me, because they were both on CBS, and it feels like a slow it's very CBS slow. show. It sure is slow. It's So we're thinking we're going to do this whole season, but I got to tell you, we watched the first two episodes, and about halfway through the second episode, I started thinking, God damn, this is going to be boring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not a lot just, happens Just because sometimes. the episodes are kind of long and boring doesn't mean our, our episodes about them have to be, though. No. So They don't have to be. I but. still would, but yeah, but we're going to aim for the same. We want it to be an authentic experience yeah, we for want you. Yeah, that same vibe of just like really slow. Yeah, so just if we're going too fast for you, just on your little pod player, just do half speed maybe. Oh, and yeah, that's you'll what have everyone, the experience. That's what everyone should do yeah, yeah. For, the, for these episodes. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if we're going to do all of them in a row. We talked about doing a few episodes on this and then maybe some episodes on something else and coming back to it. We're also talking about going back to some of the other TV shows that we watched and only did like an episode or two of. I think it would be fun to do a whole season of, for example, ER, X-Files, Xena Warrior Princess, uh, and those are big shows that people really love, so... Um, let us know what you think about that. If you would like us to go back and do, you know, really dig into those shows more deeply. Something uh, you may not know if you're a young person now and you're confused about what we're talking about in general, like what's Northern Exposure? Um, you may not realize that back then TV shows had much longer seasons because the shows you watch now on streaming are like, oh, it got 10 seasons that's or 10 episodes. That's cool. This, uh, this season of Northern Exposure, it's the final season. 23 episodes. Yeah, and they're That's long. It's not a sitcom. They're like 45-minute episodes. Yeah. Um, but they feel like 
an hour and a half each. They feel like movies, <laughs> basically, each episode, except without like a coherent plot. Which... Okay, stop. Stop. <laughs> You're talking so much shit. And I, I actually really like this show. So I don't want to talk a lot of sh- I mean, we can talk some shit, but um, I don't want it to. I don't want you to poison this well. Okay, already. before I poison any wells, let's um, let's take care of something else first. See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. See you in the funny papers. Well, Jen, I've got a classic for you today. Super. Um, and by classic, I mean one you've probably heard of and read a lot. Peanuts. Oh, wow. You know, Charlie Brown. Have we done the Peanuts gang. before? Or I think we've done a Peanuts before, okay. yeah. Yeah, we had some Snoopy ones where he was typing. Okay, you anyway. Know? Um, so October 9th, 1994. Um, this is a big one, Jen. I don't know if you're ready. Let's see. Sunday? Ten panels, Jen. Oh my Jesus Christ. Ten panels, so get comfortable. Um, the first panel, it says Peanuts. Yeah. It's a big long one. You know, the first one's yeah. a long one. Um, we can see the side of a building and some boards, and there's a diagonal board that holds the other boards together. It looks like maybe it's a shed or a shack sure. out back or something. Mm-hmm. Or Snoopy's doghouse? No, it's it's in the foreground on the left. But on the right, we can see on the far right, there's a pole, like a black pole that's going up, and there's just some flat ground. And there's the bottom of a net hanging just inside the frame, okay? And below that, Linus Van Pelt is standing there. You know Linus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he's standing there and his he's standing with his shirt that's a, shaped like a cone. All their shirts are shaped like cones that go them? down from their little neck <laughs> okay. straight down. His arms are straight up um, and he's leaning slightly back a little bit, like looking up a little bit. So his body's like kind of arced back a little bit, you know? Sure. The weird thing is his arms, when he puts his arms straight up, yeah. like this, the saying is, put your arms up above your head, kind of, because your arms are much longer, right? But on Linus, he puts his arms straight up and they go up about to the top of his ears. Oh, weird. That's it, yeah. They have real big heads. He has real short arms. And real short arms, I guess. I never noticed that before, but it's weird. Um, so his arms are straight up and there's a motion line coming from around like his waist area, circling up. And then there's another motion line from his head, from about where his head is, going up and behind him, and like the basketball's back there. No, nope. oh, he swung basketball. his arms. Oh, I see. Okay. He swung his arms, and the basketball just barely went up and went behind him. He's standing maybe a foot away from the basket. So even if he had gotten the ball up higher, uh huh, it wouldn't have gone in at all. It would have hit the rim from underneath. Okay. So that's my first critique of Great. Linus's basketball Super. game. Okay. Um, so the second panel, you ready for the next oh panel? Oh my God, that was all one. <laughs> one I was... want to die. I We have to have a conversation about this segment anyway, and boy, this is a good day to do it. Second panel, Linus is walking back to get the basketball. The basketball is sitting on the ground. That's it. Third panel, ready? Now we're just, it's a little square panel. We're closer up on Linus. We can still see the pole in the bottom of the net. And again, his arms are in mid-swing. And the ball just goes forward. It went up like maybe a foot above his head. No, a couple inches above his head. And then now it's on its way down. Okay. Okay. So also didn't make it in the basket. Yep. Third panel. Linus is walking forward to get the ball. Okay. Also, their feet are really big. Do you remember what Charlie Brown and what the Peanuts Gang's feet look like? like? Big shoes. They're just big, long things. And their feet come down in the middle. Their legs come down in the middle of their feet. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like 
it's like a disc, a long oval thing that there's a leg in the middle and their yeah. heels and toes stick out in equal amount. Uh-huh. It's yeah, really yeah. strange. Yeah. So he's walking to get the ball. Fourth panel, I think we're on. Yep. No, we're on the fifth. That was the fourth panel. Oh, fantastic. Fifth panel. We're almost halfway done. Good. Linus has the ball in his hands and he's walking the other direction. Away from the hoop. Away from the hoop. Okay. He's backing up a little bit. And yet, when we get to the sixth panel, we see that he's still virtually under the net. Okay. He's right in front of the hoop. <laughs> is the hoop following him? I Maybe. That's a good is question. Is that going to be the punchline of this? Like Snoopy's moving the hoop around? Because it is a little bit closer, like a closer shot in that fifth panel. So it's a little tighter and you can't really see it. But it's like he took one step. Or maybe he just turned around and he's not actually walking forward. I don't know. He's not moving a whole lot. So same thing. Hands not above his head, just up to his ears. Arms outstretched as far as they go on this weird body that he has. (laughs) Um, Circular motion up. Another big motion circle going back. And the basketball's behind him again because even if he got it up there, wouldn't have been close. You know what's funny? Well, I'll wait till you're done. Okay. I would like you to get through this, please. Okay. We're on the seventh panel now, Jen. We're on the bottom row. There's only four panels left. Seven, eight, nine, and ten. Don't care. Keep going. You with me? Okay. Panel seven, he's facing the basketball hoop. He's a little further back this time, and he swung the ball forward, and it barely went above his head and bounced on the ground in front of him. So there was no. His arms are so small, he just really can't. There's no leverage at all. He can't throw a ball at all. And also, like the fact that his legs come down in the middle of his feet probably affects his balance and just all his Well, I would think he'd be really balanced that way. I think he'd fall down a lot. Panel eight now yeah. is just Linus looking at the basketball sitting in front of him. Okay. Panel nine, he's walking in his house. You can see the siding of the house and a little step. He's about a foot off the ground okay. and about three or four inches above the step. And his feet are like one's up kind of and one's back. And it looks like that's how they walk, I guess, in this universe. But it looks like he's he like floated up. He's like oh, levitating cool. up onto the thing. So, But I mean, if he were levitating, he would have been able to get the basketball in the hoop, you know? So I bet that's not Well, maybe he can only levitate intention. his own body, you know, not other objects. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are in Peanuts World, but apparently you don't walk and step on things. You just float your way up steps. Last panel, ready? So ready. Tenth panel. Linus is in the house now. We can see some curtains behind him, a framed photo. And he's standing in the middle of the room and Lucy's in front of him his sister. Mm -hmm. And she's sitting on the ground with her feet toward us and she has a book in her hands and she's just looking back at him. And Lena says, do we have any marbles? So literally the joke is that the basketball is too heavy for him. I guess. He wants to play basketball with marbles or he's maybe just wants to play a different game. Maybe he's like, basketball's not my thing. I'm going to play marbles. With little, little balls. Yeah. I don't know. That was it. Well, thank you for that. Um, Something that I find interesting is that I actually find it, one of the things that I find very funny to watch is people playing basketball badly. I, it makes me laugh really hard. Um, yeah, how when do you people, think you like, feel about seeing a drawing of it? Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, seeing the drawing is one thing, but hearing a drawing described to me about someone playing basketball badly, I didn't find it as funny. Well, I saw the drawing and I didn't find it funny at all. Yeah, well. It was tedious. It's also not funny, maybe. Not his best work, I don't think. See you in the funny papers soon. We do need to have a quick conversation about seeing the funny papers, and I intentionally waited until after the segment to okay. do this because... <laughs> 
Uh, it turns out, well, we were talking to our friend Lynn, who listens to our show sometimes, and um, tells us what we're wrong about, <laughs> what we got wrong. Yeah, um, it's helpful. She wants to do a segment called Hey Ding Dongs, where she corrects all of our stuff, which we may put in place at some point. It's going to be great. Um, but my point is, she informed us that she fast forwards through seeing the funny papers. And that is actually the second person who has said that, because Sarah, who was on the show... When we did the Montana episode with all the women from Montana, Sarah was like, oh, this is the best segment. And then a couple minutes into it, she's like, I'm realizing I usually fast forward yeah. this. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that means you skip it altogether or if you just speed it up. Because you can listen to it faster. Yeah, I don't think they're doing that. I think they're just You're hitting just skipping like the 30 whole thing. second jump like five times because I talk for a long time. So I guess I, guess I feel... Okay, so it actually... I find it very funny that people skip seeing the funny papers and you know, and it completely makes sense because clearly the joke is that it's kind of unlistenable. Actually, yeah. Can I just say something really quick? If you're just jumping back in here, you might want to rewind a little bit. Not too far. Don't go back into seeing the funny papers, but this directly applies to you. So if you skipped ahead and missed seeing the funny papers and didn't catch all of this post talk <laughs> This is about you, so you might want to just go back a little bit. Uh, yeah. So um, I guess, yeah, my, I'm just a little concerned because we do – this is a podcast. And so what you do right. with podcasts is you listen to them. And I'm not – Yeah, you I'm don't not, want people skipping through sure whole segments. It's actually a good thing. And in our research, 100% of people polled that listen to the show <laughs> – Skip through not seeing true. the funny papers. No, no, not no, true. No, we asked two people. We didn't even ask. They just told no, us. No, but there are other people I know who <laughs> listen to it. So that's, I'm going to put a poll in our Facebook group. I'll put one on Twitter too, but we have gotten very little Twitter interaction for a long time. Interact with us on Twitter, yo, please. I think it's called Elon Musk's Twitter now. Any, oh, God, that's right. We might have to leave Twitter. But uh, my point is, let's collect some data and find out. If it's so unlistenable that people are actually skipping it, because that's <laughs> actually defeats our purpose just a little bit, which is, you know, it should be. Which purpose? It, 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 Educating you about the comics or having a podcast? Having you mean a like podcast a more fundamental purpose? Is what I mean. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's insufferable on purpose, <laughs> but it's but it's supposed to be. Yeah. I, so anyway, just. Just it's, putting that out there. That it's we're... conceptual, Jen. I think it's even better that people skip it. I mean, I do think it's really funny that people it skip it, but me. it did make me think, huh, I wonder if we should get rid of that segment. And I know there are fans who are like, fuck you, don't ever get rid of it. That's the other thing. Do it's you like, know there that? Are... There's at least one person, Laura, who is one of our patrons, who loves seeing the funny papers. Like, it's her favorite part of the show. Right. And but I does don't... she actually listen to it or does yes, she, she also listens to it. Yes, she listens to it. it because she actually makes comments about it sometimes in our Facebook group and stuff. I know. Um, so now we've talked even more about seeing the funny papers and now there's even more to fast forward through. But um, anyway, let's get into Northern Exposure. Okay, let's do it. It was filmed in, well, the exteriors, a lot of the exterior shots were filmed in Roslyn, Washington, which is nearby. Yeah. It's not far from where we live. It's a small town in Washington, and if you've ever seen Northern Exposure, you've seen all of it. Yeah, it looks like that. That's pretty much it, the downtown the strip. That's yeah. the whole town. But it's supposed to be a little town in Alaska, and it is pretty convincingly a, a little town in Alaska, I think, although I haven't been you've to Alaska. You've never been to Alaska. <laughs> I haven't, but I'm just saying like remote like you would imagine, yeah. except that there's I feel like in Alaska stuff. there's like snow all the time, but maybe not. That's not I guess in the either, summer there but... isn't. But also like... They don't do the thing. It's not like dark 
most of the day ever or light most of the day ever. You know what I mean? They didn't well, do any of that, did season, they? Season, you know how, do you remember when Game of Thrones, that one episode came out and it was super dark and people couldn't see it and had to crank up the brightness and they were confused? Uh-huh. It, that was really interesting to me because I remember seasons three and four of Northern Exposure were just black okay, yeah, and you could hear people talking. Untrue. And there was no light not at true, all. Not true. Not true. But anyway, regardless, it doesn't matter. Um, it's Alaska. It's a small town Alaska. Oh, yeah. We got to do a 30-second synopsis. Oh, That's yeah. That's our new I think thing. you're up. It's my turn. Are so you we, ready? We watched two episodes. So are we doing a 30-second synopsis for each episode? Yeah. So I'll do the other one. You do okay. you do season uh, season six episode one. So this is the final season of Northern Exposure. Am I covering like who the cast is and everything? Like who plays them? Or? No, I think I'm not even going to worry about that because we're going to talk about this for 23. No, well maybe well, 12 episodes or so of something our show like that. Maybe. Um, maybe. So we'll cover the cast. I think we'll get into it. You know, I'm not too worried about it. People can look it up. Okay. Well, the only person's name I know off the top of my head anyway is Rob Morrow, and he plays Dr. Fleischman. He's the main character. Right. And I do, I love Rob Morrow. So this was episode one of season six, and the mm-hmm. whole story with Joel, just to give a little backstory of Northern Exposure, which I already did, he, somebody paid for his medical school. I think it was Maurice, the rich dude that runs the town and owns town. everything. Right. And so they paid for his medical school. Maybe the whole town did it. I don't know. And Maurice probably did most of it. Um And the deal was you come up and do a couple years in Alaska in our town and be our doctor Mm -hmm. and you get free medical school. So the first couple seasons, I think the main joke is I grew up in Manhattan. New York City man in a small town. I need to get my bagels. And what do I do in this tiny town? And these people are hicks, you know? Mm -hmm. That may have been the whole show through five seasons. But then the sixth season, also very predictable. Is he going to stay there? Or is he going to leave and go back to Manhattan? Because he's done his time, right? I don't know. But there's a whole sexual tension thing with him and this other character, Maggie, that I hope I hope they finally get together by the end of the season because, oh, oh oy, you know what I mean? Uh, do I? No. Okay. 30 seconds synopsis. That's, that's, our, be... that's for the sex podcast. Yeah, I don't remember. That's the sex version. Anything sexy in this episode, so it's going to be weird. I can make anything sexy. Oh, okay. Here's your challenge then. Make this synopsis okay, of you, this show. Are you going to time me? Or? Yeah, I'll time you. Ready? Three, two, one. 30 okay. second synopsis. Okay, season six, episode one. Joel Fleischman, the doctor, he's in Ed Chigliak's apartment. Ed is an indigenous, indigenous young man who lives in the town, um, and he is fixing Dr. Fleischman's stereo. Dr. Fleischman gets thirsty. He goes to the fridge. He pours himself some orange juice, but he finds out. Ed tells him, uh, oh, shit, there's medicine in that. And it turns out that the medicine is like some kind of trippy drug. And so then he has a whole... The rest of the episode is him in New York... <laughs> You almost you almost got to the actual episode. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Well, I mean, all you have to say about it is that it's a trip. It's just one big long that, trip of and an yet, episode. You can't. You can't say I it. I did. No. no, okay. Um that took longer than that opening scene, I think. No, you it didn't. It. No, it didn't. Anyway. Um, he was fixing Dr. Fleischman's reel to reel tape player. Whatever it was. Which I thought was interesting. So uh it was interesting for us, like, jumping into this show after many, many years and not knowing where we were in the story or really remembering a whole lot about it. It's a pretty disorienting way to jump into it. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool for us because it's like, 
oh, wow, like we're actually experiencing what he's experiencing right now, which is like nothing makes sense and we don't know who anybody actually is. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen this show for 27 years probably. And right. I didn't remember all of the characters. And so people show up in New York as characters in his life in New York that he's like tripping balls, hallucinating. Yeah, they're all the people in Alaska, but they're in New York and they're all completely different than yeah. they are in Alaska. This is, I realize, part of the plot. but And we were... Very confused because we were like, wait, is that guy in the show? I don't remember him. Is he a character in Sicily, Alaska? So it was very confusing in a very disorienting way to watch a show you haven't seen in a long time. But the person who's missing from both of these episodes was Marilyn, who was my very favorite character. She was the indigenous woman. And I'm sorry, I don't know what tribe. Um, We should look that up maybe. But... Uh, she was like his office assistant. Yeah. And she's fucking rad. And I, I kind of think she might be not on the show anymore. Yeah, I don't think she's on the show. Which really sucks because she was really, really wonderful. She was super dry and she was kind of a smart ass Very to him. dry, yes. It was and great. Like full of, you know, wisdom, but in a really funny kind of way. Yeah. Like, um, and I don't feel like, which is probably bullshit because I was... A teenager, so I wouldn't have picked up on this, but I don't feel like they played her for like the the magical exotic person. Well, I think there was some of that. That's kind of what I'm saying. They is played like they, on it a yes, little bit. They played on that. Yeah. Like she fucks with him about, yes. and she does have like wis. She has like that kind of wisdom that like. But it's all like very down to earth, common sense yes, wisdom, right? Exactly. That she tells him it's not some mystical thing, and she exactly. does that sometimes to him, and he's like blown yeah. away by it and doesn't know what to think. Yeah, I really loved her. She was really great. But yeah, and anyway. I think she's missing from this season, so that's gonna suck. But yeah, the really rest does. of the cast is is there mostly. I don't remember. Yep, there's, there's a few new Shelley people that I didn't recognize. There's yeah. the couple. Okay, so there's a couple who Hauling is like sixty something, and she's like maybe thirty. Um, maybe I think she's really really young. They're a couple, and it's weird, but whatever. Small town, you know. Um, they own the restaurant in town. They own the restaurant. They run it together. They yeah, I think she's like right out of high school at the beginning of the you no show. Really gross. No way. That's too much. Maybe that's, right out of college. She's really fun. young. She's yeah. super super young. I. It's weird. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. People fall in love with all kinds of people, and what is age? Nothing really. But then, but then it is something. At a certain point, it's like. Oh, but like when you're a 20 year old woman, I, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, there are a couple. Although it was, you know, it was 90s age. So remember, there were all those memes going back a couple months ago with like the cast of Cheers and they're like oh, all right. in their mid 30s. Holland is probably so, supposed to be like 40. Yeah. No. Holling's like 28. Holling, I mean. And... No, he's not. He's clearly, <laughs> he's in his 50s at least. Yeah, I would yeah. say 60s. But uh, anyway. Uh, who else is in the town? Ed Chigliak, I mentioned. Mm-hmm. He is a kid who's really adorable. I mean, kid. He's in his 20s also. Um, he works like odd jobs and he's just a cool dude. He Maggie. loves animals. He's really good with animals. Maggie is uh, the love interest. She's a bush pilot. Right. And she, what's the actress's name in real life? Janine Turner. She's I apparently believe. a big right wing douchebag. Yeah. But um, she's cute on the show. Uh, Barry Corbin plays um, Maurice Minifield. He's like, I think he was like an astronaut or he was at yeah. least an old military guy. He works and he, for NASA. Yeah. He, yeah. 
and he owns the whole town basically and funds yeah. everything and He's super rich, and um, and he... in the and in this trip that Rob Morrow had, he was the doorman. Yeah. So, and he got everything a, was upside down. He got a stock tip from Ed Chigliak, who is a big like financial wonderkin. Well, in and, this, in the in the dream, like dream yeah. he's having. Yeah. And so he loses everything, and that's one of the. Basically, they yeah, but all whatever. We're not going to talk about acting that. weird, and then by the end of the episode, they're all showing their like. Who they actually are. True characters from the show more. Right. And Joel, the whole thing is just showing Joel what his life could be like in Manhattan. And he says right before the trip ends, he says, I don't want this life. And then he gets pulled back in and you see him drive downtown to his office and he is looking around smiling because he loves Sicily, Alaska. He says, like, I'd rather be in some hick town out in the middle of nowhere than live this life for one more second or whatever and then he bursts back into Ed's house um, yeah and then the other character who I'm going to mention right now is the radio DJ who is Chris. played by John Corbett who is adorable I find him adorable uh, in this era anyway he's a really I really like his character he's yeah. he's like he is the he one that always in, has like the super wise he's very wise philosophical thing to say he, on he the radio he spent time in prison he used to be a bank robber um, and yeah, he's always, he's the radio guy. So, um, that's kind of the town. And, um. Oh, we forgot about Ruth Ann and the old dude. I can't remember his name. Ruth Ann. Yeah. And in this episode, she was transformed into Dr. Miller and she was going to make Joel a partner of their. In their practice. Doctor yeah. practice. Yeah. Um, and his wife was Shelly, the young woman who's married to the old man. And of course she's into him in the dream too. He's a piano player and they, whatever. Um, yeah. One thing you pointed out that I thought was kind of interesting was that this was all the framing device they gave for it is that he drank some orange juice that had native like medicines in them. Right. And he goes on a trip. And hallucinates all this stuff uh-huh. while he's in Ed's closet. Like he walks yes. <laughs> into the closet, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. After the whole episode, he comes back in and Ed's like, that's the closet, Dr. Fleischman. Yeah. Um, he, so it's all in his head and his hallucination. And yet we see each of the characters and like the couples in the show all yeah. have their own interactions on their own. And everyone goes on a little journey realizing what they want out of life. Independent on, of him, yeah. And he's not even there for a lot yeah, of Yeah, I mean, you have to just sort of forgive that. But it doesn't really make sense with, with I think it would have been cooler if it was all from, like, his perspective. And we, But whatever. I mean, basically, he had, you know, concocted this whole world that existed. And so we were just seeing all the parts of the world. As as it could have been in some some Alternate corner universe. of his mind, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was very strange. And I I found I also found it interesting that just to skip ahead a little bit, the next episode we watched, he was barely in it. Yeah, like, he had, like at all three lines maybe. Yeah, it really short little appearances, which is cool because it was kind of a you know the show's about him, but after six seasons, right, it's, it's about the whole cast, equally about of characters, all of the people and what they're dealing with yeah um okay well uh i mean i'm kind of done talking about the first episode okay i i I don't know i mean i didn't have any particular like wildly insightful thoughts except the only note i took was that rob morrow looks like fucking jerry seinfeld and it's really distracting that was the only thing because he was wearing like one of those oversized 
blue button-up shirts like Jerry would wear. And his hair is like that sort of like almost mullet mm-hmm. that Jerry had. The 90s mullet, like, like kind of curly And his hair in the is back curly. And, like, yeah. yeah. And I think Rob Morrow's a very attractive man, but the hair is got to go. There was a lot of bad hair in this episode. Holling's hair was like Oof. pushed back and looked kind of good from the front, but then you saw yeah, but like then the... Back in the bottom again, the it's like long in the... In the it's super yeah. weird. It's not okay. It's not... It was really odd. Um, it was a really kind of a heavy episode it was really strange for the opening the opener of a season to be like in a different place with all these characters you know playing different characters essentially um well they're shaking things up yeah yeah but it just was a really strange like everyone goes through a whole bunch of stuff and drama like Shelley wants a divorce after Joel finds out that he gets the partnership immediately after she's like oh I want a divorce and then she goes and lies down and it's just... But that's because she likes hauling and she yeah. has to open a restaurant. So, I mean... Yeah. I don't really know. I mean, like, yeah, again, like, this is what I mean. I didn't have any particularly great insight about what this episode's really about. It's just sort of like... Yeah, I feel like it was all just a setup so that Joel could start that journey of, like, I'm not leaving Sicily. Yeah, maybe. Um, okay, are we doing episode two? Yes, hold on. Let me get my timer ready. So episode one, also the title of it was inexplicably, it was Dinner at 7.30 was the name of the title. I don't know if that's huh. referencing something, but the there's a big party. They're having a big party at Joel's house, Joel and Shelley's house. And it started at five, but he told his boss it started at six. He later tells Maggie, we're having a buffet at eight. At no point is there a dinner <laughs> there at seven thirty happening. That's weird. I didn't notice that. So I don't know if it's referencing some old episode of a TV show yeah, or a movie or something. Like it doesn't What's make any sense. What's the title me. of this next episode? Eye of the Beholder. Okay. Which makes more sense. Okay, you ready? Three, two, one. Thirty seconds synopsis. Okay, so Ruth Ann is putting on a an auction to raise money for the library and people donate stuff to it. And Maggie donates a thing that um, Chris buys later and she regrets it because it was her grandma's and um, Ed or no uh, Maurice donates a case of wine that has gone bad and he wants to get rid of it. Um, Ed is being a private investigator and working to um, uncover some insurance fraud that Hayden is doing. Um, What else am I missing? I don't know. Um, Oh, there's a little baby. Interesting. Yeah. How's everybody feeling about this segment? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's an experiment, so let us know. Um, it's trash. <laughs> it's trash. I think it's trash. Um, it's it's not fun for us to do. It feels unsatisfying. It's probably not funny. It's probably not good to listen to. And it's not informative. Yeah, it unchecks all the boxes. Yeah. So I And don't that know. was the pros list. So yeah, let's maybe, do the cons now. Maybe we want, I don't know. Uh, listen, we're always a work in progress over here and I never <laughs> saw that. And, um, and, you know, we get stuff wrong and we try things that don't work out that well. And that's the thing is, uh, first of all, this show is not, we're not about getting things right. That's somebody else's show. I don't know what we are about, but we're about something. Yeah. If you want accurate representations of things or thorough discussions of plots, maybe go fast forward through a different podcast because this isn't the (laughs) podcast for you to fast forward to and not listen to, apparently. I don't know Uh, how things work. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, the show, yeah, it's very 90s. I mean, 
I feel like TV shows, even more than movies, are so, they just, there's like a stamp on them that's like, this is from the olden times. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think TV, especially, it's not a sitcom, but it has that like hour-long CBS drama feel. Yeah. And show TV isn't isn't made that way anymore. Yeah, so anyway, so this episode, um, it's very boring. I mean, it really is long and boring. Uh, but so many things are happening, Jen. I couldn't even get to all of it in 30 seconds. So, I mean, Ed's storyline is kind of interesting because he's having to, like, spy on a friend of his who is committing insurance fraud, and he feels weird about it. And, you know, there's some... He's super into the idea of being a private investigator, and he likes it. There's this guy that's, like, his mentor, but yeah. he also... But he doesn't want to fuck people over because he's not that kind of dude. So. But he's really into old movies and old TV shows and stuff. And so he's he watches a, an old Humphrey Bogart clip and he that plays into the the plot. Well, it like helps him realize that yeah. he's been lied to. Or... The part that I felt the most in this episode was that Holling and Shelley's daughter was turning one and they bought her a dollhouse at the library auction and um, and at one point, Shelly wakes up in the dollhouse. Yeah, she also has a and trippy it's dream. A little bit too small for her, and we're like, Jesus, this show was wild. Yeah, like I don't remember. <laughs> Does this happen every episode? Again, I don't remember the earlier parts of the show that well. I don't remember specifics about it. I remember the, who the characters kind of were, but I don't know if they were doing a lot of that. Yeah, all she throughout. Meets, she meets Ruth Ann, who's dressed in like Victorian dress she's the original owner of this antique dollhouse and she had scarlet fever and then she when she died she gave the dollhouse to her sister and then to her, that person's grandkid and like so she's ruth ann is basically she's, well, she's playing like, a different character and she's dead and has been dead right for many she's years. like haunting and the dollhouse or something i guess but the the thing is that what it is bringing up for shelly is the fact that her daughter is gonna grow up and grow away from her and then eventually die and that's real. That's a real deep sadness that we all, I mean, we're all walking around with that sadness all the time. But I think as parents, um, it's a particular kind of grief where you're. It becomes very like obvious too. It's like right in your face that there's this little person that's growing and is going to change and grow away from you. And Yeah. I mean, and just the, the, the reality of death and like life and death and what, what that means in our lives and you know i i don't know that's a it's a really hard thing to deal with and generationally it's a hard thing to deal with you know with our parents too and uh so anyway that was the part that i was like oh damn this is that's real that's a real because she says she's like at one point she's like she's apologizing to her baby miranda she's like i'm sorry mom's so down i just i wasn't prepared for how sad it was gonna be and and then, of course, right after that, the baby starts walking, and well, so they're very happy about her growing yeah. and learning new things. And Holling, that's the that's the paradox, I guess. Is like that's how we all feel, right? Yeah. We want we want them to stop growing and stay little forever, but we, of course, we don't really want that. That would be terrible. Holling gives Shelley a little speech about how that's actually the beautiful part of life and seeing things grow and become their own independent things and then um immediately yeah. after the daughter stands up and walks for the first time without ever 
cruising or doing anything else. Yeah, it's real weird. Babies don't do that. That's not how <laughs> babies walk. You don't. They don't suddenly stand up and walk across the room. But <laughs> but it totally changes Shelley's perspective because yeah, I mean, it's course. a miracle of it baby was, development. It was, um, yeah, right, exactly, and that's how that's that's how it is. It's like parenting is like a constant. I don't know. For me, anyway, it's like constant pain and and excitement at the same time. You know, it's so. Anyway, um, I don't know. I don't know what else there is to say about the second episode. It's just sort of more of establishing. It was really about, I would say, Ed and Shelley more than anybody else. I mean, there there is the other plot about like this little piggy bank that Maggie's grandma gave her that she gave to the library thing, and then she feels really bad, so she has to buy it back from. Chris for like a thousand dollars. Yeah, but Chris I mean, has. It's not really. Chris has like a collection of them. These old like mechanical piggy banks. Yeah. Because he and he says a line about how he used to rob banks and now he collects them. Um, but he says he'll never sell it because it, he's been looking for one just like this forever. And then as soon as she offers a thousand dollars, he's like sold. Yeah. And she. It, gets I mean, it's back. kind of a dumb. It's there's a lot about regret in this because then yeah. uh, Maurice feels bad because he like. Oh right, because of the off wine, this shitty that wine that... to hauling, and so he goes and he gives him a really nice bottle of wine to make up for it. But he doesn't really apologize. That's what Maurice does. Maurice mm-hmm. like fucks people over and then doesn't really apologize or acknowledge it, but just gives them something. I feel like that's his character. Like I'll just fix this with my money right. and not acknowledge I've done anything wrong to anyone. Yeah, I would say this episode was about. Yeah, I, some of it I think was about like regret and taking responsibility for things. The other part of it I would say is has everything to do with generations and growing old. And, and then there was the insurance fraud. Well, that was part of that. That was part of Ed trying to do the right thing yeah. and getting this guy to take responsibility and also taking his own responsibility for the fact that he was spying on him. But anyway, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, before we go, I want to read our patrons' names so they can be forever celebrated on high. Um, yeah, don't fast forward through this part. It's important. Thank you so, so much. If you want to join these incredible people and help support a small uh, indie podcast, that's us, feel free. That'd be great. Um, Laura Sanner. Mike Snyder, Phyllis Shelton, Mike Streeter, Pat Mobley, Linda Ford, Tasha Crow, Leah Ray, Kylan Karp, Mel Bazer, Brandy Pavar, Rachel Earl, and Jessica McKimmy. You are all um, heroes, and we appreciate you and love you so much. Thank you. Thank you, really. Um, means a lot to us. So, And it's good to be back. And now we have a plan, so we're going to be back more regularly. We missed a couple weeks. Um, Jen started a new job. Where she gets to scream at babies? No, I do not. I do not scream at babies. That's not. Yeah. Well, she tests their hearing, and there's no other way to do it. So it's sad for the babies, but you got to do it. You know. Um. So things have been a little hectic and crazy, and we haven't been feeling super motivated. Yeah. Um. And you know, just to be honest, since this show is about like, you know, my history partially, and also we believe in being open and vulnerable, I have been. Uh, really severely depressed the last couple of weeks, like kind of scary level depressed. So um, it was bad enough that she couldn't imagine listening to me talk about a comic. I mean, if you can imagine. So, uh, yeah, it's been really bad. I'm trying to come out of it. But, you know, this is part of me and part of my history, part of how I ended up in Montana. And um, 
So we're really trying to be consistent. It does. It really does help if you all, if anyone's listening, let us know you're listening. That would be amazing. Let us know you're out there if you are. Let us know what you're thinking about. Yeah, in terms let us of know what you think of and... our segments. 30 second synopsis and seeing the funny papers. <laughs> or just let us know you're out there. Um, <laughs> and one thing I was going to say just to connect you to Montana is that um, this town that the this that this show is about and mm-hmm. the town that it was filmed in is about seven times the size of the town where I was um, imprisoned in Montana. Really? Oh, at the least. The nearby town. Because you weren't like in town. There was no town. Right. It's a, it's not a town. There's a post office and a diner. And I think that was it. My point is it was a very small town. Anyway, so on that note, thank you all so much for listening. And thanks to Grandma Crate for our artwork. Thank you to Fifi Folios for our internet stuff. Thanks to Mind Violet for our music. Until next time. See, see you in the, the 90s. 90s.